QVC Quality Violent Cinema. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of QVC Quality Violent Cinema. I'm your host, Ian Bracken, with your other host... Christian Mickelson. And this episode is going to be going over the different genres and subgenres within the horror genre. We're going to break it down into a couple different categories. Christian set up this awesome little graph, which you can find on our Facebook page. Um, so you can look at that if you want to follow along. Should, should we go over uh, real quick before we get started and break it down? Which genre, uh, which of the first genres we're going to be going over? Uh, so there's six subgenres that we want to basically break it into. And there's going to be creatures, killers, sci-fi, psychological, paranormal, and gore. And then there's, we're going to go over the subgenres within all six of those subgenres. And then we're going to be doing kind of a part two slash a complimentary episode uh, for episode two, which is going to be going more into extreme, which mostly branches off of the gore category, but also sort of, you know, we're going to have other stuff other than gore, such as, you know, disturbing dramas and, you know, animation and, and all, exploitation all and grindhouse. Yeah. That's what you can look forward to for the next one. So if you're a bit more into the extreme, you have a lot to look forward to for the next episode. So first off, let's go into the sub subgenre of creatures. I mean, there's there's so many. That's the thing is like with this thing is there's so many other subgenres we can technically say that there are, but these are just the main ones. Um, so we did five. So it's going to be giant monsters, vampires, werewolves. Classic and mythological and bugs. So going into so we're gonna like list like personal favorites of each subgenre. Um, so going into giant monsters, uh, one of my favorites is it's a classic uh, alligator from 1980. It's just awesome, you know, sewer trash. So. I love that movie. Yeah, the pool scene with mm-hmm. the little kid walking the plank. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to go with the very first Godzilla movie. It's just the black and white, not, not the English version, just the Japanese version. The Gonzu. Go- Gojira. Gojira. Yeah. It's, it's great. I love Godzilla's costume in that one. Um, you know, man in the suit is the way to like go with Godzilla. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't put the date down. I want to uh, say 52 or it's something. It's so old. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it's great. You know, my mom is really into Godzilla movies, so... You know, she was really supportive of me watching kaiju movies and stuff. So, um, going with Godzilla on that one. Cool. Um, then into the second subgenre, vampires. Um, I love The Hunger. Absolutely love The Hunger. I think it's an underrated vampire movie. And it's, I mean, David Bowie. Um, it's just, it's absolutely phenomenal. So well shot. Everything about that movie is just flawless. Mine, mine's got to be Dust Till Dawn. Uh, that really scratched the itch with me uh, growing up. W- getting into Tarantino movies and Robert Rodriguez movies, it was like the perfect combination of the two filmmakers. Um, and, you know, it hits you with a genre switch halfway through. Uh, very bloody and gory for a mainstream film. And it was, uh, you know, it was on TV a lot. It was cut pretty heavily for the TV, but that was the first time I saw it and pretty young age you know probably 12 13 years old 
and it really stuck with me and it's definitely one that I come back to once yeah, a year. Yeah, it makes me wish that Quentin Tarantino uh, acted a little bit more. And especially, I mean, he's done a couple other Robert Rodriguez um, films. But, you know, he I think he does a really good job as being an actor. Yeah. <laughs> Except for in uh, Sukiyaki Western Django. I don't know well, if you've yeah. seen him in that. <laughs> but, yep. So, the next one, Werewolves. What about you on that one? The Howling. Absolutely, the howling. Um, I mean, not all of the series is great, but it's such a good the 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 whole transformation and how well they did with the practical effects of all that is it's so good. I almost went with you know American Werewolf in London as being one of the best, but Howling is just classic. The Howling, I would say probably I like better of the two because it's a lot darker. It almost feels like it has a grindhouse feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Joe Dante, which is interesting because I think it's one of his darker films. You know, he went he went a lot, um, you know, a lot more mainstream than that uh, in the future. You know, with small soldiers and mm-hmm. you know gremlins and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's great. But American Werewolf in London, I think. I can see why that one has more mainstream appeal because it does flow a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's got it's, good comedy in it too. It moves a lot quicker. And then uh, just a runner up, I want to mention late phases. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. I actually haven't. No. It, it's a newer one. Just about a kind of a Charles Bronson like man, old man in an old folks home where they're getting all turned into werewolves. It's really interesting it brings a lot of new stuff to the werewolf genre and the werewolves look good yeah. also dog soldiers yeah I, dog and soldiers. I was gonna say bad moon too that's another one yeah great. The, um, yeah the creatures look great in bad moon there's a lot in yeah. werewolves and it's a good great subgenre yeah definitely classic mythological troll troll love it i mean yeah. the second one not so much first one's great uh i mean leprechaun as well i mean i love all of them even the ones in the hood um they're classic awesome but yeah i i love, love the leprechaun movies when when you wrote mythological um i just automatically thought of jason and the argonauts just because i, I love all the but that's not horror really yeah <laughs> but i was just like that skeleton scene though it's just so awesome with a stop motion skeleton mm-hmm. like so i mean that's just the one I went to without... I mean, I didn't take as much notes as you, so I'm going to just have to say the skeletons and chasing the Argonauts for that. But uh, Killer Bugs. Yeah, so next is uh, Ticks, 1993. Um, it's just funny. It's so good. Um, Seth Green, you know, great job in early films. I, I miss him being an actor, too. If you're going to touch on somebody else being an actor, I haven't seen around as much. It's good. Ticks are great. Mine is going to be Squirm, 1976. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one's just, it's freaking crazy. These worms get kind of like radiated or electrified or whatever, and they just multiply and, you know, they're just killing everybody in this town. It's just like any other Killer Bugs movie, but it's just fucking goofy. Yeah, but, I, I have to go with cheesiness. If, it, if you're going to do big bugs, it's, it has to have some comedy. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not going to take it serious. <laughs> yeah. Next category uh, you put down on here was killers. Um, so the subcategories in the killers subgenre is slasher, giallo, backwood, and home invasion. Um, I'm going to have to say my favorite slasher movie. It's pretty typical, but it's going to be Friday the 13th Part 3, the 3D one. Uh, yeah. I just have really good memories with that movie. Isn't Kevin Bacon in that? 
No, Kevin Bacon's in the first one. Oh. But um, yeah, third one doesn't really have any stars, no notable stars. But it's the one where he first gets his mask, um, and it's got a lot of really cheesy 3D gags, like someone doing a yo-yo right at the camera and yeah, stuff. And I had like, the DVD release of that and it came with the glasses and yeah, some of the shots true. and like some of the forced 3D is just, it can take you away though. If you're, if you don't see it in 3D, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, my brother and I, like we rented that because we read somewhere that it was when he first gets his mask. So I think we watched that one before we watched two and one and two. And, um, so to me, it's just the most memorable. What about you for slasher? Uh, Sleepaway Camp. Oh, I should have said that. I love Sleepaway Camp. Absolutely in love with that film. Now, I do have to one say thing about... So, technically, in the subgenre, um, there's people that say that if it, it has to be a slasher, you have to have a knife. And that's kind of, like, the indication of, like, what a slasher is. And so, like, for instance, like, Hellraiser is considered, even though... Because there is knife play in some of the ones. And so, it's just, it's interesting. I think it's just kind of, like, anything that's... You know, like slashing of something, but I mean, I think is it, a chainsaw technically. I think it's anything with it? like by the numbers kills, like yeah, where people are just kind of getting picked off one by one, right? Because you know, like they they do slashers. Uh, for example, uh, uh, Slumber Party Massacre Two. It's a fucking dude with a guitar with a drill right. on the end. Oh god, the second one's so good. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> or like Candyman. He's got a hook. Um, yeah. Which, you know, it's debatable if Candyman or um, Nightmare on Elm Street are even slashers because, you know, they're well, supernatural. So a, yeah, because he's technically a ghost. Yeah. Because he's dead from the... So, yeah. But, goes. I mean, people still clump it. I mean, and then Chucky is a voodoo doll. Yeah, a voodoo so doll. possession. But almost. at the same time, like, if you, like, look at a list of slashers, I think everything we just named would be Well, a be lot of subgenres it. go under other, under other subgenres. Yeah. And that's the problem with, you know, sometimes making these charts is, like... Yeah, some of these films fit under multiple yeah. subgenres. I feel like there's a huge Venn diagram to be made as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, For Giallo, um, I immediately think of Dario Argento. Mm-hmm. Um, Suspiria is classified as Giallo, but it doesn't really follow was... the crime. Um, well, there's there's the the mystery of the witch coven. And yeah. like, and so there is that mystery of who's the killer so there there is a way of that but yeah but when i think giallo i think more like a crime procedural um so i mean i put don't torture um a duckling yeah so i I still need to see that oh and that's lucille fulci yeah um, who who i like bizarre i I didn't i didn't know what to think of it when i first went into it and it's it it's good yeah yeah but since I since I have trouble classifying Suspiria as Giallo, even though a lot of people say it is, I'm gonna have to say Tenebrae, because uh, for me, I think just the effects in that, the little plot twist at the yeah, end, the um, story where it's story. based on a you know novel and them acting it out, it's good. Yeah, and the music, it's got such yeah. a good theme. I mean, anything Dario Argento is. It, I mean, no, I take that back. Um, in the 2000s, I, I, it started going down. But anything prior to 2000s from Dario Argento, gold. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love Mother of Tears. I don't know why people hate it so much. but I'm not saying all from the 2000s yeah. is horrible. But he, like, the Dracula, awful. Yeah. Awful. And then I think you and I, I are both a big fan of, of opera. <laughs> oh, God. Opera's great. Opera's great. The, the cinematography, the way that was shot and everything. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So, Backwood. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, cause it's, it's, this is kind of a classification of, you know, 
people out there in the woods and being introduced. And I, I, I mean, what doesn't define Backwood more than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I feel. Yeah, uh, I have to go with that one, too. To me, it's it's the ultimate classic horror movie. I mean, if you're going to put all these um, iconic slashers together, Leatherface has to be my yeah. favorite. I mean, because... you can go into Hills Have Eyes, which would be a good Backwood if you want to oh, say another it. good example. I love Hills Have Eyes. Well, mm-hmm. Why don't we just say them both? I mean, they're both amazing. Yeah. Uh, Hills of Eyes, Wes Craven when he has these finales where, you know, the characters are setting these traps, you know, for all the, the killers and stuff. And it's just so creative the way that they went into it. It could have, it's not, it's not just a cut and dry, uh, people getting chased around, you know, they're like, there's a lot of claustrophobia in this RV, but it's in this wide open desert. So like, it's very claustrophobic, even though it's in a big wide open space. And then you have these characters making smart decisions based on survival, even though that they're really, um, and that's the thing I love about backwoods movies is, uh, you know, even when you come up with movies like deliverance or wrong turn, um, it's these characters that are kind of fish out of the water, but they're picking up survival skills out in the woods, like Mm -hmm. really quick or even, um, backcountry, which is, um, you know, people versus a bear. Yeah. But, um, they're like, kind of coming up with stuff on the fly, like how to yeah. like, which bandage. goes into the psychological actually, yeah. just the survival, you know, for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, we have the home invasion. Um, uh, you're next. I loved that movie. Um, Adam Wingard, uh, he's, he's been doing a lot of like, he did a lot of the beat, like small bit movies in VHS and he's done a lot of like shorts, but like you're next was great. Um, especially just the girl turning around and be like, Nope. And just end up being this vicious killer, um, but all as a survival technique. You know, it's great. Yeah. So my next one, it's gonna gonna go kind of go into the extreme too. But for me, the August Underground um, captured the what it's actually like to be have a home invasion, especially yeah. with Part Three Penance. There's a scene where mm-hmm. uh, the family is having Christmas. And they break into the house and they, um, you know, rape the wife and they're attacking the child what runs in. I think they got like a really small adult to come in as a child, but they edited the sound to sound like it was a little kid. And it is so terrifying. It is like one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen. I don't, I don't get really that freaked out that much, but it kind of like ruined Christmas for me for a couple, <laughs> for a, for a little bit, you know? So, I mean, uh, that goes into a whole different subgenre. I was thinking about is this Christmas is like a whole different horror. Sub-genre. Oh yeah. Holiday horror. Holiday horror. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, um, but then a runner up would be uh Henry portrait of a serial killer just for that home invasion scene, which mm-hmm. is on their video camera that they watch. So yeah, for me, like home invasion, um, you know, combining that with home video like August Underground does, it just makes it so much more realistic because, you know, you see home videos are usually within the confines of a home. So yeah. seeing that on a VHS tape is just creepy. No, and that's real. And that's like a little bit more in like in the horror that actually can happen, you know, because there's so many, you know, shows about home invasion stories are just freaking scary and so it's just and those are real these are real life stuff so i think that's why i think sub, you know home invasion is a good horror subgenre and or just a genre in general especially when you think about the ones where like the person breaks into the house earlier in the day and they're just waiting in the closet for right. like hours games. and hours like, funny games is so good oh funny games is great both of them the, uh, yeah the fact that they did that shot for shot and the second one is great 
So the next one we'll do, how about psychological? Break down the psychological into subgenres, starting with phobias. Um, so for my phobia, I I mean, phobia goes into, so I'm not, I don't really have any phobias. So it's kind of hard to like base on one that's based on my own phobia. But, you know, clowns are definitely one that is um, a big phobia for people. Um, so I, I, and I love killer clowns from outer space. It's just cheesy as all. And, but there's a bunch of clown movies that are great. And you can just do a whole, almost a subgenre of just clowns. But that one's definitely, I consider a classic and had to touch on. Um, the one that I was thinking about for phobias, which this is kind of weird, and this is going to Venn diagram into other categories, but it would be Nightmare on Elm Street, just because I think Freddy is really, he's based on people's fears. Yeah, fear that you can't sleep. Yeah, yeah. and I, I actually have sleep problems, so I haven't really ever had sleep paralysis. But a very interesting thing is, if you've ever read about sleep paralysis, it's when you have breathing issues in your sleep and your brain starts to see things that aren't there. One thing that people commonly see is a man in a hat or shadow people. And uh, Wes Craven kind of based Freddy off of that man in the hat thing. Um, So it is kind of based off uh, actual sleep deprivation issues. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the kids that he picks off, uh, usually they're murdered in stuff that has to do with either their fears or their thoughts, or maybe even like their common interests. Mm-hmm. Like some of them are, you know, into video games, so they get no, killed. In a video yeah, game. it makes but, you want to go into touch into like all um, serial killers that are, you know, turned into horror icons. You know, or like or horror icons that have been based on serial killers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a few. Yeah, even like some of them very loosely, and some of them not. Yeah, it's weird. Very indirectly, like was, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, without being real, and it's all about you know, kind of like Ed Gein. Yeah, but you know, it's uh, but Ed Gein also like only killed two people, which is yeah, but it was just the fact weird. of what he did. Yeah, him. more about like crafting stuff out of skin. Right. Freddy is just weird because he's not really based off a killer. He's based off of common manifestation of dreams that people see when they're having trouble sleeping. Um, also, you know, it's just, he's kind of just a weird, well, he was a person in, in the story. He was technically a person in the, in the early part and then he gets murdered by. The yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. People. So he was a child killer. He was a child killer. Yeah. So he was, you know, yeah. I'm talking about his, his dream. His, yeah. One, once he's killed, it's just kind of weird how Wes Craven came up with that with, yeah. And then he's just really, a really creative, um, Oh, Nightmare on Tree, definitely the first series that really, drew me into horror for sure i i love nightmare on elm street it's a, um, it's a solid series too i mean the only ones i don't really like too much are the dream child and freddy vs jason but even those i can watch anytime and and not i just don't like the newest one why they have to the elm street remake yeah oh my god i i, I hadn't like finished it. i wasn't able i couldn't to i couldn't I, I i keep trying i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna try but as soon as i see his face and i hear him talk i'm like nope I'm yeah good yeah i'm I mean, good it's the worst of all the remakes by mm-hmm. far. Um, I don't like a lot of the remakes, but that one is unwatchable. At least mm-hmm. I can watch the other ones. Yeah. So the next subgenre we're going to go into is paranoia. Um, which one did you have for that one? Uh, I did Suicide Club. Um, that one just really gets underneath your skin, I feel. I mean, just uh, the convincing of all these people to, you know, basically make them suffer until they and then putting them out into the the world to just eventually commit suicide it's it's gnarly yeah i love that movie that's really good pick um super into j-horror i love the blood and gore in that movie 
but I also, yeah, I had this really cool, it kind of like lets you in on how it feels to be like, you know, Japanese person with this like, um, pure pressure. They have this like, pure oh yeah. Pressure and it's built website. into society because the, the suicide is very, you know, rampant. I mean, the forest and everything that goes on. Yeah. It's, it's very real in their culture. And that's why I feel like it did a really good job of that paranoia because it, it feeds into that, that already is an existing thing. And that song that, that he sings to them as they're in these bags, just yep. heart, you know, just, it's, yeah, it's so good. And then, um, also it kind of was ahead of its game on the whole, uh, viral websites causing people to, to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that, that's kind of how it started was this website. And, you know, I mean, Japanese, Japan's always a little bit ahead of the time when it comes to technology, but oh, and gore. now you look at America, we've been hit with viral things that have caused, you know, massive health issues and mental health issues mm-hmm. and suicide club definitely jumped the gun on that. Um, for me, I'm going to say they live, which kind of goes a little bit into sci-fi because it's aliens. Just great John Car- Carpenter movie. I think everybody knows a lot about that one, but uh, you got Roddy Roddy Piper finding these uh, sunglasses that can show you the reality of what's going on. And it turns out that a lot of advertisement um, is just based on turning humans into basically sheep. And he, you know, tries to fight the system. And it's pretty, it's more funny. I think it takes itself a little seriously, but not too much. And it's super entertaining all the way through. So again, the next one, we're going into survival. Uh, I did Cube 1997. It's, I mean, that's a classic. And I mean, I think definitely defines survival. I mean, you want to talk about a good example. I think that's one of the best ones. Yeah, that's great. And it, it predates Saw. And I feel like it has a lot of similarities to it um oh yeah it definitely really there's a original. lot of movies that took from cube for sure yeah um yeah i love that one and for me uh survival movies i'm gonna have to say battle royale um yeah and that's that movie was extremely influential on me uh, when it came to uh watching movies you know it showed me that there's a lot out there other than an american film when I saw that movie, I was like, I got to check out more Japanese movies because they just do it. It seems like they do it differently. And I was right. Very bloody. And, you know, in America, we tend to uh, not let children be hurt or killed or anything in, in our movies. And in Japan, they just, they go for it. You know, it's, you know, it's, tra- they make it really tragic too at the same time. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though like, you know, it's a, kind of campy at times is like it gets really emotional towards the end and it almost feels like a multi-million dollar blockbuster from the states except that it just has this like nasty grindhouse exploitation uh, spirit to it at the same time and it's kenji fukasaku who used to do a lot of old yakuza movies that were really brutal and it's crazy seeing him go into horror mm-hmm. um now i'm going to next one art house this actually is probably one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Possession, 1981. I'm absolutely in love with this film. I even talked on it in our zero, episode zero. What is not to say on this film and its brilliance? I can just go on and on about this thing, but yeah, no, Possession. Uh, my art house pick would probably be uh, Houseu, or also known as House in the States, um, which is very strange movie just yeah. like a lot of art house movies no but... like the fact that his daughter was like he let his daughter basically write 
a lot of the film to kind of give it this like imagination from a child's point of view. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it's really cartoon. Like it feels like a cartoon at times at the same time. It has some kind of brutal graphic stuff, you know, cut off heads and stuff at the, but it, you know, it's not something I would show to a little kid, but you know, no, but it's so off the wall and so off the cuff that it's, it's like, yeah, that's why it's definitely an art house. It's, it's visually all over the place. Yeah. It throws everything at you. Um, uh, next category, we're going to go into the paranormal. Uh, so let's start off with ghost movies. What's your favorite ghost movie? So this is one that not a lot of people talk about. Uh, it's a Shaw Brother production, and it's Seating of the Ghost. It's it's so good. And I love I, – I wish there was more of this genre of just the kung fu horror movies. Uh, mine – I think my favorite ghost movie is going to be the entity. And I think the reason I like it so much is because where a lot of ghost movies, they seem to be pretty based off of uh, jump scares and stuff like that, where the entity all overall just makes you feel really, really gross. I mean, it's this ghost who, you know, one day this normal a single mom with a couple of kids is, you know, just living in this house. And one day she's just sexually assaulted by this ghost in this terrifying scene with this loud music. And it really shakes you to your core. Um, And then it just keeps happening even when she tries to go to a different house. So, you know, they set up this um, operation. I think it's like a big school gym or something where they have all these scientists. They're basically trying to, to freeze the ghost that's kind of where the movie starts to slow down a little bit. But the first parts where she's first getting attacked by the ghost, it's, you know, shakes you to your core and something I'll never forget. Cool. And that, uh, this one kind of goes into things. It's, it's a haunted house and that kind of goes a lot into ghosts because a lot of times the house is haunted by ghosts. But um, I went with house, um, the 1986 early wine, um, the special effects and everything in that film is great costumes are great um just uh, going into the guy's psyche and and him just losing his mind while he's trying to write this write this book it's yeah no, it's, it's classic i love that movie and it's one of those movies i didn't even it doesn't it's not on like a lot of the popular uh lists and you know i had to like i read about it in one of my movie books and then I was like, how have I never heard of this before? It's and, like, and there's four of them. <laughs> yeah, four of them. The very, House yeah, the, 2 is second story is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, but they, yeah, the third and fourth are, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. But yeah, great creatures and effects. And it almost has like evil dead, but in like a suburban house feeling to it. But mm-hmm. a little bit more tamed down, almost like. It almost feels like kind of more right. Like well, yeah, kids, especially the killing his girlfriend yeah. and the, her coming back. Yeah, it's very Evil Dead. Yeah. yeah, and speaking of which, mine would be Evil Dead Two, um, which you know is just as most people know is just kind of a remake of the first one, but mm-hmm. done with a higher budget. Uh, the cabin from the first movie actually was kind of torn down because of weather and stuff, so they remade the cabin in a giant school gym. And turned it into basically a giant soundstage so they could get all these crazy angles and lighting and stuff. And that was interesting to find Which out. Which came, yeah. Well, basically what Sam Raimi's style came out of. Yeah. So definitely Evil Dead 2. And I would say that's probably one of my favorite horror films of all time, too. Yeah, it's hard to compare with that one. It's 
so over the top and yeah and just saying like ram ram um, sam rami's style of cinematography it's it's totally its own yeah and you can see it in the first movie but i think you know there were a lot of limitations um you know for steady cam he had to use a goddamn two by four um where in the second movie he had all this equipment and lighting and he had you know uh, an effects team so with you know with all that extra help he was able to actually let his vision come out on screen and that's where you see a lot of stuff that's in dark man and spider-man and mm-hmm. all his later work so yeah for sure cool. uh, and going into next one possession um this usually goes like demons thinking like things that just like take possession over people i mean there's obviously exorcist stuff but one of my favorite night of the demons 1988 it, it's the good the everything that's happens in that shot i mean it's it's classic 80s the dancing and everything and all, all of it is great oh yeah with uh is that Bauhaus song in it mm-hmm. Bela Lugosi's dead yeah um yeah that movie's that movie's amazing i i wish i could pick that one <laughs> i would uh i'm probably gonna have to you know i was gonna say evil dead also on that one but yeah, and that's what's ones. Yeah. Like these all tie into each other yeah. a lot. So that's a good one. Um, one good one that's kind of newer that I like a lot is Jennifer's Body, which is a movie that I thought would be terrible. Yeah, it's it's a fun movie, um, and you know it almost has you know the that it's not as good as Idle Hands. Oh, Idle Hands would be a good possession one too. Yeah, <laughs> no, and I I, I love cheese with my gore yeah. especially if we're going to go into this, the just normal horror my normal horror if if i'm going to be into it it has to be funny otherwise i want some graphic gory you know plot lines and stuff and but that's so definitely my horror comedy has to be somehow mixed in definitely with with comedy it's really hard to walk that line in horror uh with comedy and horror because it's like in horror movies, it's either got to be really serious or the comedy has to hit right. perfectly. And the one that is happening is a lot of um, under, you know, like underfunded and small indie films. They rely on comedy because they don't have the budget. So what else do they have? They basically purposely make it bad to make it good uh, by adding comedy. How about the cult? That's um, the next one. I mean, this is going into you know witchcraft and things, and and if we're going to talk about witchcraft love witch 19 uh 2016 version which it comes off and it's all shot in technicolor old you know ways of filming but it's it's shot in you know modern times absolutely amazing if you've not in any way seen it it's a must see Uh, absolutely great i never saw that one because i just did not it from the trailers i just like it didn't look like a horror film to me it's good so it's it's shot exactly like you would expect to be it looks like it was really well shot for Mm -hmm. sure her wardrobe everything about it great yeah i mean we already talked about suspiria so that i mean that would probably be my go-to for for you know witches and stuff like that and there's also satanism you can get into but i mean that goes into I would say like my runner up would be The Void from 19 uh no from 2016. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Steven Kostansky, is that how you say his name? I'm he sure. also he just did that new Psycho Gorman movie which was also really good, but I I love those filmmakers because they used to do this like Astron 6 um which was like their movie company or whatever um which made kind of like a lot of cheesy special effects heavy movies like Manborg and 
stuff like that father's day but it's just it's just the void is a great movie because it's just follows these people into this hospital where the basement has this like kind of gateway to hell and there's this cult moving in on them slowly so it's kind of like a mix of a supernatural cult slasher and the siege movie um it just throws everything at you it has hellraiser vibes some lovecraft vibes uh, it's great i would recommend that to anyone that and it's on a lot of streaming services so check that one out it's very gory a lot of special effects well uh well now we're getting into the next which we are going to touch on to sci-fi and just to touch on this uh, i almost didn't put this in because and we can go into debate um because there's i definitely feel like there's a difference in horror sci-fi versus sci-fi horror and i think a lot of times sci-fi has elements of horror and and then i mean it comes to like how much so i feel it's it's a touchy subgenre but within this subgenre um there's cyberpunk aliens post-apocalyptic and then cyborg slash ai um which you can go into even even more subgenres into these but um I'm going to, so for cyberpunk, I'm going to go for um, Tokyo Gore Police. Um, and that's almost going into gore itself. It's so much blood and so much special effects. But that one's definitely one of my favorites when it comes. And that, I think that's one of the first to introduce me into that cyberpunk type horror. Yeah, it is great because it's, it's also, it's the main chick. It's the chick from Audition plays the main chick in that movie i forgot her name so it's crazy seeing her go from kind of a more slow art house style movie to like that over just the top. over the top i love i love those kinds of movies like machine girl um meatball machine mm-hmm. yeah just those splatter japanese movies so i'm gonna say tetsuo iron man which is yeah shinya sukamoto um which is kind that of, was a toss-up for me for sure yeah really i mean that also fits into art house if you were to make the venn diagram like once again yeah um all of his movies are very art house but uh just really cool it's shot on black and white so it gives it this really gritty feeling it almost feels like an industrial music video from the you know a lot of what you saw in the 80s yeah and there's a lot of stuff is black and white and like it goes into that you know uh rubber's lover yeah um, 964 pinocchio so yeah and cyberpunk is just such a good genre anyway i mean other ones you could like pull up that aren't really as much horror but like lawnmower man and i love uh have you ever seen virtuosity Mm-mm. or like uh johnny monomic and all those movies it's just like i don't know it was really big in the 90s and i feel like it's coming back with the release of that video game uh cyberpunk yeah. stuff but you know we got like all the robocops and stuff and uh also richard stanley's hardware have you ever seen that one? Um, yeah, that's a really good one. It's just this robot is attacking a uh, woman in her apartment. It's kind of just her, like, it's really claustrophobic because it all takes place in one apartment, but yeah, it's really good. I didn't really get too much into um, a lot of the sci-fi horror growing up. I, I was more, you know, into my psychological creatures and killers subgenre for sure um growing up so sci-fi is more something i feel like i appreciated a little later in life um for me sci-fi was huge like i was always in the sci-fi section i'd do i'd scan the whole horror section and then if i had a, a rental left over 
or a slot left over, I would grab a sci-fi movie. So my brother and I would watch tons of old, uh, anything that was like a Terminator or an alien ripoff. We'd always rent those like Nemesis and Split Second. I just feel like Terminator is not horror. Yeah. Maybe the first one, maybe the first one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the first one definitely comes off as almost like a slasher film, but mm-hmm. there's there's certain ones. I mean, there's like movies like Hardware, which I mentioned earlier, or Death Machine. I mean, it's just a giant robot, but it's like picking people off like a slasher film. So. Well, Death Machine for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, next one to be going into Aliens. Um, I had to pick Critters. I had to put it into something, and I love Critters. Um, Kill Krites. They're great. Uh, it's... I mean, what can you not say? It's it's so cheesy. And it's funny, like, growing up on this film, and I try to show it to people nowadays, and they're like, this is just awful. I'm like, it's, no, just let it warm up on you. It's, it's good. <laughs> I know. I, I love Critters. It's, like, I don't know. It's so lighthearted. And so, you know, I was able to show it to my son without, like, I show him a lot of horror movies, but it's yeah. one of those ones where I can show him and, like, they're not have PG-13, to worry about right? cover. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to worry about covering his eyes or anything, but still I had like enough violence and stuff to keep or him. Maybe like... the second one when it turns into a naked woman, but Oh, does it really? Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, no, she's totally topless. And she tries to turn into a Playboy playmate. <laughs> and she's killed Kreitz, this topless woman with a gun. I need to it's I hot. need to watch them all again. I do remember <laughs> is it the second one where he kills the Easter bunny in the church? Oh like, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's no, that's like the first one i think because it's when they all go into the suit and he's like at the thing i think it's the first no one. it's not the first one it's not the first i one. just Maybe watched the, the first one. one yeah and then they just put out on shutter they just put out like a. Sh- it's been a while since i've seen all the critters yeah they just put out a show on shutter of it that's actually pretty yeah good. no i was i liked it the making him talk a lot was i mean i know they they eventually started being talkative and other later critters but it yeah it's good though so mine would be night of the creeps which is kind of like same as if anyone's ever seen slither which is the newer one it's definitely what inspired that just like a bunch of worms come down from space and when they get into people's mouths they turn them into zombies killer zombies it's really gory really cheesy it's got a lot of memorable moments and one-liners and it's also got tom atkins from you know halloween 3 and the fog and stuff so it's just such an entertaining movie night of the creeps that's from 1986, so it's got that 80s cheese factor. So next we're going to go into post-apocalypse. Um, for mine, I did Threads. Um, and I have to say, there, it, this is hard to do as a subgenre because a lot of it is zombies. Because when you think about post-apocalypse, it's hard to not think of zombies. But that's why I went with Threads, because it's basically what happened, or what would happen if the Cold War actually happened. Um, and this film has been one of those films that it still haunts people, especially when it came out. It's a good one if you haven't seen. It's a little dated, but it's it's good. Yeah, I've been I've been meaning to watch that one for a really long time. Um, I've just heard it's pretty disturbing and an emotional movie. So yeah, it's just hard to watch because of the realism in it. Uh, for me, I go with the crazies because. Uh, we're gonna get into zombies later, so I don't really want to like mention like a lot of a lot of these post-apocalyptic movies that I love are, are definitely zombie movies, and The Crazies is kind of a zombie movie, but it's definitely you know a, a disease, and I think a lot of you know when once you branch off from zombies, you got a lot of these like pandemic movies. Um, so yeah, the original Crazies, George Romero, uh, 
craziest one. The remake's okay too. Yeah, I haven't seen the remake. It's not bad. It's not as not as memorable as the original though. So the next one we get into cyborg and slash AI. Um, I went with Chopping Mall. Uh, this is just great. I mean, it's cyborg going around killing people in a mall. It's what can you say against that? Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a good one. Probably have to say Terminator, <laughs> the first one, because like I said earlier, it feels a lot like a slasher film. Oh totally. I, I'll I'll let that hundred percent pass. Yeah. Um, overall, I would say a lot of the the sci-fi horror when they merge the two it's influenced a lot by terminator um so i mean that one's just so good and that was really inspired you know me to start watching more sci-fi movies when i was a kid so without terminator i definitely wouldn't have gotten as into film as i have especially terminator 2 but i would say terminator 2 is not as much as a horror film as the first one yeah now we're going into gore which is Christian and I's kind of forte. It's what we watch a lot of. You know, as you can see from our list, a lot of our favorites are based on how much effects and gore are in this. I just love effects heavy gore movies, but we'll break it down into the subcategories again, starting off with torture movies. Um, so, what would be like your favorite torture? I saw this one recently, and it was ones I, I didn't see for a while because I'm really into um, all the French extremities. Um, but Frontiers, um, 2007, um, the torture in that is gnarly. Um, the movie is gnarly. Um, just how shaken she becomes and just, you see this complete destroy of this person, but she just, you know, has to push through the torture in that is nuts. It's good. Uh, yeah, I need to rewatch that movie. I always see that on a lot of the best of like French horror movies. Um, and I remember seeing it and being a little let down because it wasn't like, as crazy with the like sadism as no it's it's a safe almost going into extreme it's good though yeah i definitely want to see it again what 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 is it about again i forgot what the plot was um it's i mean these nazi cannibals essentially these people that go into the house get you know aren't they like protesters right well they're getting away from basically some heist that went wrong and so they go into hideout and then they go into these people to think for that are basically have a place for them to stay, but then they end up being Nazi cannibals and just torture them. Um, and then they have to survive to get out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to rewatch that as soon as possible. I, I remember it being good, but it just wasn't as extreme as I thought it was going to be. But now that I can look at it through different eyes. I think I might like it a lot more. My favorite torture movie, movie featuring a lot of torture would be Ichi the Killer, which I mentioned a lot on episode zero. Um, it's what influenced me to check out a lot more of Japanese film and stuff. Just really visually different than a lot of other Japanese movies and horror movies in general. Takashi Miike tried a lot of new like experimental techniques in camera work. It has some really, really bad CGI, but I feel like a lot of that CGI for me works because he's trying to show like almost a manga style. It definitely has a, a comic book feel to it. It's really great too because none of the characters you can really root for. They're all misogynistic, mm-hmm. like sadists or masochists. Well, Itchy is a you know he doesn't necessarily want to be a killer in the beginning. 
Yeah, yeah, he's been trained into being into being this, but it is definitely plays off the nature and nurture, like how much of that was injected into his brain. And then if you watch the anime, um, you definitely see that his childhood was pretty troubled too. No, I love those turnarounds where the victims become the killer, you know. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good examples of that. And it's so hard to root for him because he's a terrible person, but at the same time, like you're kind of stuck with him the whole movie. So it definitely gives you this weird, like, uh, conflicting feeling. And then Kakihara, played by Tabanabo Asano, is just a badass as like the villain who also kind of feels like he's the hero because he's the one that has to take down Ichi. Um, so I was really impressed by that. It was cool seeing Tabanabo Asano in the new Mortal Kombat movie as Raiden, too. Yeah, that was cool to see. Uh, next one up, we have Splatter Films. Um, well, this is, I mean, bad taste. Uh, Peter Jackson, great. I mean, I think it really. That defines Splatter if you're going to go into mainstream horror. If you haven't seen Peter Jackson's first film, watch it. I mean, I actually saw that before watching Dead Alive. And uh, it's hard to say that, you know, bad taste is anyway better. But, it's, you know, it's, it's what introduced me into kind of that Splatter. Just really gory and just over the, over the top. So mine is probably going to... I was going to have to... I was going to have to say Dead Alive because if it's just... For splatter, it's got like the most blood effects, um, probably ever. It's just blood everywhere, uh, and it's hilarious and just amazing to watch um, the uncut version of that movie because yeah. it it just it's nonstop and it's it's like <clears throat> even got a few parts that used to gross me out. I've seen them enough now that it doesn't anymore. But like, there's some pretty nasty scenes in there. Yeah, that, and it's definitely uh, up there. And it used to be the movie with the most fake blood but uh the new evil dead apparently broke that with the tank the tanker of fake blood with the rain but that's hard to beat when you're making it rain blood yeah um and it's an- kind of unfair i feel <laughs> another one i just want to mention real quick since you know instead of just saying two peter jackson movies um is inside the french movie um that movie you know is debatable on if you want to call it splatter or not but it's just anytime that anyone gets sliced or cut the blood just shoots across the room and by the end of the movie the whole her whole apartment is just a bloodbath um and it's just non-stop just blood sprays a lot of uh art- arterial sprays which i love um i love all that stuff um that's influenced by like japanese samurai movies with the arterial blood spray um very well known off of the kill bill movies but they originated from the like shogun assassin and used to utilize just like you know you get sliced in the neck and then it's like they have a literal pressure washer of blood just spraying up the side and i love that but so yeah yeah no splatter yeah i can keep talking about splatter movies i I love all of it yeah so how about cannibal movies i think everyone always would go for the cannibal holocaust but i actually like cannibal ferox better out of the two i know they're so similar um i just really liked the over-the-top acting and uh i mean it, i feel that they're so similar um but if i was going to pick the two i have to go to cannibal ferox i might it might people might debate me and say blasphemy but cannibal ferox i like better yeah i've never really i i like cannibal ferox but i've never just been a huge fan of it where i've had to reach like needed to return to it like i have with cannibal holocaust cannibal holocaust is like one of my favorite horror films and one of my favorite films oh, don't get me wrong Hannibal holocaust is great and everything yeah. about it is great and you know, yeah yeah I just, I, if i had to pick for sure 
Yeah, and just the fact that they switched um, mediums in the middle to from original, uh, like a linear style to cinema verite, um, kind of how he finds the camera tape and watches, you know, the tape. Um, you're almost watching like a protege for Blair Witch Project or anything mm. like that later on. Even though it's gets put into the exploitation group or whatever i feel like it's a lot smarter than people give it credit for especially the social commentary at the end which feels a little bit heavy-handed the way that they like say it but if you really think about it it's a really good look at like colonization like people especially white people like going into places where they're not wanted and just imposing themselves there until the point where they're like devastating the community and they have to be pushed out no it's a great concept and it it definitely got overplayed so fast and and i wish that sometimes that more movies touched on these old films, but and they have and they did a Green Inferno, you know, Elon Roth did it, and I actually have to say that's probably one of the few Elon Roth movies I enjoy. Yeah, um, it's more of a comedy, but yeah, it, it but works. I think he did a good play on that subgenre, which I don't think anybody has in a while. So I actually thought it was refreshing to see and. He did a good job on that one. Yeah, and he actually nailed the social commentary that Cannibal Holocaust did too of, you know, colonization, you know, taking over the rainforest, white people going where they're not wanted. And, you know, it's like, you don't belong here, man. You'll get fucked up, you know, if the cannibals don't get you, the mosquitoes will. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, and this ties in really well to the next subgenre and to zombies when it comes to eating people. Yeah. Um, but there, I, I do two subgenres within the subgenre of zombies of doing undead versus virus because there's definitely a very clear distinction between the two yeah so for my undead i did city of the living dead 1980 damn you stole mine oh did i oh, no that's, t- that's totally fine because i have a i have a runner-up when i was looking through the undead versus viruses it's it's uh the viruses gets overplayed more than you, you think um so yeah, it's it's uh, it's classic though. Yeah, it's a lot darker than um, the one I was gonna say as my runner-up, which is the Beyond. Um, the Beyond is is also Lucio Fulci, yeah. both of them. Um, and they're I, I was tossing it between those two. So. Part of the like they're loosely part of a trilogy, um, the the Gates of Hell trilogy, uh, also with House by the Cemetery, which mm-hmm. is weird because Doctor Fraudstein is the killer in House by the Cemetery. And he's not really a zombie as much as a slasher with undead features, but um, just that whole Fulci trilogy is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just love Lucio Fulci's take on zombies because even zombie, his movie Zombie. Oh, they the look, shark scene? I still blows my mind. Yeah. It blows my mind. I don't know how, how someone could breathe underwater while they're fighting it, a shark. Just yeah. that scene alone is worth watching that film. Yeah. It, I still, yeah, it's... I think Fulci is the best at creating undead zombie makeup too. Um, Not that he was the makeup effects guy, but uh, his movies have the best zombies. They literally look like they're rotting. Right. And And Gene Rowland probably has the worst. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I mean, God. Don't like Gene Rowland stick with vampires. Back back to Grapes of Death. Like just like look that up online and you'll see most of their face looks completely clean. And then they have like a rotting piece of flesh just on one part of their head. Yeah. It's funny. And then, you know, Fulci and then, but then also Return of the Living Dead is fucking amazing. Um, 
Well, that's that's, that's virus, and that was what actually was going to be my yeah, virus. Right. It's Return of the Living Dead because it's a it's a contamination of yeah, it's the it's the military yeah, cases it's, that it's get chemical. leaked. So it's totally virus. Um, yeah. but I the absolutely favorite of the virus. I I I can't even debate it to anything else than Return of the Living Dead. It's punks and zombies. Uh, Yes. Best soundtrack (laughs) ever. Yes, yes, and yes. And the thing about it that's crazy is... Naked zombie, yes. Yeah. And the first running zombies that I can think of, I mean, they must have existed. I mean, there's a few movies where they kind of get a running start. Like, even in the original Night of the Living Dead, the first zombie kind of runs a little bit. But uh, this is the one where they're just charging full speed at you the whole time. And it's like kind of a hopeless feel to it even though it's a comedy it is a little bit uncomfortable to think about these zombies you don't just shoot them in the head the only way to take them down is to completely eviscerate them like a nuclear bomb or something or but even if you chop off their limbs up it's like he says they're animated they're Mm -hmm. not dead so yeah and the fact that that can just spread through the air versus just being bit is definitely way more of a pandemic problem yeah so that movie just feels helpless. I mean, spoiler alert, the only way t- to, to stop it is to literally just blow up the whole town. And even after doing that, it just starts the cycle again. Right, because you, you didn't destroy the source. Yeah. You, you still have the barrels out, you know. Yeah, yeah. and any time that that happens, it just goes back up into the clouds and then it rains the, the virus back again on the town. It's yeah. Great. And my virus zombie movie is going to be Train to Busan. I yeah. saw that for the first time like a couple month, like a month ago, and I put it off for so long because it was just getting so much hype, and I just thought it was going to be like another Twenty Eight Days Later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so freaking surprised on how original it felt. Mm-hmm. The zombies just they looked so good, and um, it was very emotional. The and all that stuff worked. The drama works really good. Korea mo- Korean movies are great with the drama mm-hmm. um and you know it was gory and great setting i thought a movie a whole movie in a train would be a little boring personally um but they did a great job on making that train almost feel like its own world um what's the second film after peninsula the tra- yeah and i still got to see that it looks good and they also did an animated version called soul station which is on, I think they're all on Shudder, like the whole trilogy. Yeah, I'm glad that I didn't like continue to pass up on that movie because, you know, all hype aside, it's probably one of the best zombie movies ever made. No, for sure. And it's it's hard, especially nowadays in zombie, to not outplay. It's such a similar story. And it, like, it's so, that's why, you know, just this two genre of, of zombies, but like, there's so many uh, zombies that it's just so overplayed. Um, it's such it's good, so it's it's hard to find nowadays some just standout. Yeah, zombie to, movies. to make something fresh in this day and age is crazy. I mean, after the Dawn of the Dead remake came out, you, there was so much zombie stuff coming out. And yeah, like, in the '90s especially, it's hard to even just... enjoy a zombie movie after a while because it was so played out. And so something fresh definitely trained to be on. All right, so that was all of our main genres and subgenres that we're covering. And this is something that we could get into so long, and we can have into a five, six-part series. But um, there is going to be one follow-up into this, and we're going to go into kind of the subgenres into the more extreme and um, exploitation. Um, So we'll go into Grindhouse, we'll go into more gore, 
um, kind of go dig a little deeper into the subgenre that we're really into. Yeah, I mean, because that's what this podcast is going to be mainly featuring. Like we said, we want to bring you guys uh, the underbelly, the stuff that people don't really know about. So we are going to be going more into indie and underground genres. Uh, there's a lot of dark dramas and art house movies and stuff that doesn't even have a lot of gore in it, but it has a lot of taboo subjects mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Next one, I think you'll learn a lot more about stuff that isn't talked about as much. And yeah, this is kind of like the necessary have to segue into because we have to talk about, you know, the first subgenres before we talk about further subgenres. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that'll be the end of our episode for now. Um, anything else you want to say, Christian? No, that's it. Just All look right. forward to the next episode. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. And we'll be back uh, with another episode on genres. But this time we're going to the extreme. Extreme, baby. Yeah. All right. Later.